Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that'll pinch you no matter what color you're wearing. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're tracking the route of NYC's St. Patrick's Day Parade, including the cathartic role it played for Irish-American immigrants. The day was March 17, 1762. One of New York City's oldest traditions began when the first St. Patrick's Day Parade was held in Lower Manhattan. The United States was not yet the United States at the time, with the signing of the Declaration of Independence still a good 14 years away. Instead, the parade was organized by a group of homesick Irish soldiers serving in the British Army. In the century ahead, the event grew larger and larger as more Irish immigrants came to New York. Eventually, the annual show of Irish pride was adopted by other U.S. cities and later by countries around the world. St. Patrick, the ostensible focus of the parade, was a Christian missionary born in Britain in the late 4th century A.D. After being ordained as a bishop, he traveled to Ireland in the year 433 and spent the next three decades teaching, preaching, and building churches around the country. He passed away on March 17, 461, 
and although he was never officially canonized by the church, by the 7th century he was venerated by many as the patron saint of Ireland. That designation became more or less official in the 1630s, when the day of his death, March 17th, was added to the Catholic breviary as the Feast of St. Patrick. By that point, all kinds of legends had sprang up about St. Patrick. For instance, he's said to have driven all the snakes out of Ireland, and he supposedly liked to use a three-leaf clover, or shamrock, to illustrate the Holy Trinity. No word on how Patrick explained four-leaf clovers, but I'm guessing he wasn't a fan. They just raised too many questions. But despite the colorful lore surrounding St. Patrick, his big day was treated much like any other religious holiday in Ireland. Churchgoers would attend a special mass service in the morning, and then have a small celebration with food and drink later in the day. The local pubs weren't even open. There was no citywide party and certainly no parade. In fact, for nearly 150 years, St. Patrick's Day parades were a strictly American affair. The first one in New York City took place on March 17, 1762. The proceedings began at dawn with a performance by a fife and drum corps made up of Irish soldiers within the British Army. These military members then joined other Irish expats in marching through Bowling Green in Lower Manhattan, singing Irish folk songs as they went. The stated reason for the parade was, of course, to honor St. Patrick. But there was more going on than just reverence for a patron saint. The Irish residents of New York City, those who had been stationed there by the British and those who had fled there from Ireland of their own accord, were homesick. They weren't longing simply for a different place, but for the Ireland of a different time. In the 18th century, British authorities had tightened their grip on the island, even going so far as to ban outward displays of Irish national pride. Something as innocuous as the wearing of green ribbons or handkerchiefs was suddenly ill-advised, lest it be interpreted as an emblem of affection for Ireland. So in many ways, the St. Patrick's Day Parade in New York City was a return to normalcy for its Irish community, a chance to reclaim their identity and to celebrate it openly without fear of government reprisal. And yes, the festivities that first year did include a bit of drinking in the evening, but nothing compared to what you might see today. It was still a religious holiday, after all. Irish military units in New York continued organizing the annual parade for many of its early years. Following the War of 1812, the duties of hosting the event were passed to various Irish community groups in the city. In the early 1800s, processions set out from different parish churches throughout the city and marched to the original St. Patrick's Cathedral on Mott Street. However, by the end of the century, the parade route was adjusted to follow Fifth Avenue up past St. Patrick's Cathedral, just as it does today. Any listeners from Boston have probably been stewing this entire episode because that city has long maintained that it, and not New York, was the birthplace of St. Patrick's Day as we know it. Boston held its own celebration of Irish solidarity on March 17, 1737. But a community festival isn't the same as a parade. But don't worry, Bostonites, New York City doesn't get credit for the first parade either. 
In reality, records show that the earliest known St. Patrick's Day parade was actually held in what is now St. Augustine, Florida. It took place on March 17, 1601, in a Spanish colony that happened to have an Irish priest, a man named Ricardo Arturo. Technicalities like that aside, many New Yorkers will tell you that their parade was the one that led St. Patrick's Day to become the worldwide celebration it is today. But whether you consider St. Augustine, Boston, or New York City to be the true starting point of St. Patrick's Day parades, one thing we can all agree on is that it definitely wasn't Ireland. In fact, all three of those U.S. cities were at least 150 years ahead of the Irish homeland, which didn't hold its first parade in Waterford until 1903. Talk about being late to your own party. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about St. Patrick's Day history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, why not follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You could also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or you could write to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Heck, you could even do all of the above. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.